Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I'd like to introduce the guest this week. His name's Jacob Schmidt, aka Schmitty. He's a good friend of ours. He's in the band Overland, and they're a very fucking raw, awesome rock and roll band out of Martinez, California. Um, so again, thank you for tuning into the podcast. If you like it, please don't hesitate to uh, give it a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps the algorithm um, that they have so people can find us a little bit easier when uh, they look for music podcasts. So again, without further ado, we got Schmitty from Overland. No, I really like this version of it. I thought it sounded nice and full, like, bow. those horns in the beginning just push that thing perfectly. Like, yeah. You need, you, you need that. You don't realize that you do. <laughs> well, when we first heard that song, we just heard that pedal bass. just like, bow, you yeah. know, in that song and for those hits. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was like dicking around um, in my home studio one day. And I decided to like try something that would kind of hit that moment. Even right. Make it bit pop harder. a little bit. Yeah. So we all did the whoo. Nice. Like the Ric Flair's. And, <laughs> the Ric Flair? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so perfect. there's like five of me's doing like a few Ric Flair's right. and uh, a few O's and you know, stuff like that. <laughs> right. See, that's something we've always talked about in Overland is like doing more oohs and ahs stuff. But I think it's just because we, the type of music we have is more, you know, traditional rock and roll based. Yeah. So we kind of take what we do seriously, but then at the same time, like I, as a human being, don't yeah. take things very seriously. So there's this weird balance. But, um, <laughs> Uh, it, it does add an element of fun to it. And that's what I was just saying. Like, we were just listening to some of the new tracks that you guys have been working yeah. on. And I was like, the number one thing I thought after hearing both of them, I was like, man, that was just fun. Like, that was a fun experience to sit down. Like, well, we play music to have fun. It's like, yeah. it's also to like, there's a lot to it, obviously. There's like, you know, there's kind of burying your soul um, lyrically, you yeah. know, trying to express yourself and what you're feeling. Right. And channeling that, that feeling and that emotion into something more uh, palpable you yeah, know exactly but more then acceptable there, but then sense. there's also it's like well we don't want to be miserable playing music like playing some super serious like slow arpeggiated power chords with like yeah. some delay on it right <laughs> like, which i mean which is fun if that's what you're into <laughs> but i mean like it's nice to have a balance and that's i mean especially with what we do it's just you got to have fun with it man because yeah. being in the local music circuit can be super it can be a bummer sometimes you know just because yeah Things aren't happening the way you want them to, or you feel like you know you're maybe in a your band setting and you're not getting hurt as much as other people. Like there's so many things that can come into play to it. It's just like at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying it, you should just probably take a take a break for a minute. Yeah, you know, go for, for sure. a walk, pick up macrame or whatever it is you want to do. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. something to regain the spark in it. Because if there's no spark, then you're just you're just kind of forcing your opinions onto people, I feel. Yeah, I uh, I took a long break from music. This really? is actually close to a year. Well, I consider it a break because um, I wasn't doing it seriously like I am now. Yeah. Like with the band. We were doing it like sporadically. Like we'd, I'd come down, we'd practice once and then play a show like twice a year. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. that's not really No, I feel that's, sending that's it, definitely you know? <laughs> more just like we're just doing this to like so that we can still have fun and like yeah. you know do it when we can but yeah there wasn't necessarily the drive that you guys have it's now a, or it's a definition of a hobby yeah exactly right. which is fine like yeah. i i've come to the conclusion for me personally lately like i've just been we've been forcing 
ourselves to try and really push ourselves to be this big, huge thing. And, you know, we've gotten some recognition to a certain degree, but it's just like, I don't know if I necessarily want to make music my life, like how I make my income necessarily. Yeah. Because for me, I, I know how my brain goes and it'll just think, I'll just get bored of it because it's work. Even if it's yeah. something I enjoy, it's like, oh, I got to, well, I got to put in the hours on this as opposed to just picking it up when I want to and having yeah. fun with it. Um, but even like we were talking about this earlier, it's like, but at the same time, if you can make a living performing and realize that that like I'm just doing this for I love doing this, but I have a business mindset as well. Mm-hmm. Like and see an opportunity to cash in on this, like writing jingles or you know uh, teaching people how to play instrument. Yeah. Like there are ways to do it. It's just I feel for me it would just be a really difficult struggle to kind of balance not not feeling like I'm just doing this for money. I think I think of it. I don't. So what I do when I'm like because. I think I've said it on this podcast like a billion times. So yeah. <laughs> so dad, if you're listening, no, I'm kidding. But it's, it's just like, for me, I did the insurance thing for so long mm-hmm. and I realized that you are still, you know, spending X amount of your week, you know, in this oh. cubicle, in this office, wherever you might be. Yeah. And that's, that's like an opportunity cost where you're not able to do what you want to do, what you like to do. Absolutely. So man. then I kind of started thinking, well, I don't really care about the money I make. As long as I make above a certain threshold where I can pay my rent, where I can pay, you know, my my car insurance, where I can pay for groceries, that kind of thing. As yeah. long as I'm and you know, put a little bit away for the future in case of an emergency. Right. You know? As long as I'm able to live basically doing this. Like totally. I don't want to live ext- I'm not trying to be, you know, a rock star necessarily. So, I just want to be a working musician. So it's like the whole thing about it is you, I don't try to think about the money, like how much money am I making? Like every time I go into a lesson or every time I go into to work to teach, I'm not like, how many, how many students do I have? How much money am I making? That's yeah. $400 in three days. That's not enough. Like right, I, exactly. I don't think about it like that. I think about like, I'm just sitting here teaching a 14-year-old how to play guitar because he's passionate about learning. And I think that's super cool. So I try not to think about the dollar bills attached to it. And I think if you separate... Because if you put enough hard work, and that's the awesome thing about music is the hard work is equivalent to you just having fun and like working on your passion. Yeah. So if you, and so when I say hard work, I mean like working towards your passion. Right. And if you have that energy and you're putting it out there, like more times than not, you're going to have fun. And those are the people that tend to excel while they do that because they're putting in like, I was listening to the episode with James and he's just like, oh dude, if you... Four hours of writing is like nothing for me. Yeah. And I'm like, man, if I sit down for four, I... Yeah, I, I, was, I was feeling the same thing. <laughs> right? And, but it shows in his music because his music yeah. is super in-depth and he takes the time to yeah. really get inside of his own emotions and his yeah. own head. And just to be able to, A, help him figure out whatever situation he's trying to navigate through and then being able to relay that to other people to be like, hey, you're not alone because... Yeah. Morning Mountain, like they're one of our favorite bands, obviously besides Radio Keys, <laughs> one of our favorite bands to play with just because we appreciate authenticity and just being who you are and having a goal yeah. with your music as opposed to just kind of like, I don't know, we just, we're out here, we're going to make 300 bucks at this gig yeah. and we play every, you know, do all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. it's just, it's impressive to see that kind of stuff. And he is, we love you, James. Yeah. You are a loved For man, sure. sir. Well, just to hammer home my point, what all I was trying to say is mm-hmm. the all the effort you put into it, the money is going to come yeah. if you put enough effort into it. It's not like, I don't think about it as like, oh, I'm slaving away, I'm clocking in. There's yeah. sometimes some gigs where I f- definitely feel like I'm clocking in. Yeah. But there, 
but they're very rarely like radio keys gigs and they're very rarely i mean it's honestly very rare that it happens in general. right it, and it's usually because something else that either happened in your day leading up yeah. to that or it's it's very rarely that you get there and like the show itself was the reason that you got bummed out or, or like not really not feeling it as much or something yeah. like that it's just because at the end of the day we have to live and be human beings and then at the night we get to kind of like you know go have fun and yeah. play with our friends, have a play date at the bar, you know, we're all yeah. going to play some music, get together and have a good time. And that's something we've always liked with our group is just like, we want, we don't really care if about playing for crazy amounts of people. We just want the people that are there to like, we want to create an excuse for people to get out and do stuff. Totally. Because with nowadays with, you know, with technology and everything, it's so easy to be recluse and stay inside and not be engaged in a community but for local musicians, we thrive off a of community. We need each other. We're really trying. I mean, we're we're really trying to to have this Bay Area music community, like to be a part of it and to like help, hopefully, help bring people together. Like yeah. part of this podcast is like I have, you know, I had Tom on, mm-hmm. I had uh, James, Dennis, and now you. And it's like the reason why we wanted to do this guesting is because we want to learn more about these these artists that we play with all the time and on top of that we want people who listen to our podcast to be like oh Schmitty was a cool guy I'm gonna check out Overland and then next yeah. time you guys play maybe maybe they'll go check you out like exactly I it, think that building community especially as musicians is one of the most important things you can do oh without a doubt like we what that's I mean like for example when we started we just started it was just colonize a two-piece band and we would play like radio moscow covers and black keys <laughs> covers at vinnie's nice. for the open mic because cole was going to the steve he was doing so steve you were Sage's at the class. you were oh dude steve sage rest yeah in peace, may man. he rest it. I, they just had yeah. his benefit show a couple weeks ago at the uh, in toto santos oh. and i heard nothing but great things about it uh he he's in so important to so many i never i took a summer class with him but i never i didn't I, I ended up dropping out of it because I have a tendency of dropping out of classes yeah. a lot. <laughs> and um, But he was the sweetest guy ever. I had a really good conversation with him, laughing and everything like that. But uh, through Cole taking his class, he heard about the open mic scene, and that's how he met Jake Shields and Fox Fisher, uh, two oh, right, right. pivotal people in giving us a platform to play because they ran the open mic night together. And then you know we started playing like that, and met Tom Davis yeah. and Matt Neal and Space Monkey Gangsters and those guys alone I we as Overland owe so much to cuz they gave us our they gave us a headlining show at Slims out of nowhere uh they got us on the Mountain Vibe like and without those things I feel like we wouldn't have realized our true potential if we would have just yeah. kind of not gotten an opportunity like that. So you considered yourself like kind of like an open mic band to start? Oh yeah, we we literally just wanted people I don't know if that's maybe we wanted people to hear us, but we just wanted to be heard. If that makes sense, we don't care yeah. if anyone likes it, but we know even you practicing. Want to get out of the garage. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and he was Cole was taking the performance class, so he's like, "We got to perform." Yeah, and I've been in front of audiences my whole life, pretty much. Well, I used to do like uh, singing and doing like the winter programs in elementary school. You know where they do like concerts with all the kids. Yeah, like two year, like every year, I would have a singing solo in it, and like I loved being on stage. I loved the spotlight. Do you do theater and stuff? No, not. I did not, and I always wanted to be an actor when I was a kid, but I just never really followed it. I think I was always kind of like afraid of getting p- picked on or something like that, being yeah. classified as a theater nerd or yeah. whatever like that. But <laughs> looking back on, I'm like, oh man, I, I probably could have inv- really afforded some like improv classes or yeah. something Dude, like Dennis that. Dennis was saying that he took theater, and it it he said it like really influenced and helped his mindset going into songs. Like when he performs, he like. 
he puts himself in the role of like whoever he imagines yeah. is singing that song. And I'm like, yeah. that is such an incredible talent to have. And I'm sure it, you know, it was honed by his, his theater background. And I think, I mean, I had a little bit of a theater background. Um, I, I did it in high school for a couple years mm-hmm. and mostly I felt like I was bullied into it by my uh, teachers and stuff. But that could be a good thing though. Cause they might yeah. see something you don't. So, but I hated it. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a whole different story then. <laughs> I hated it. I was terrified of it. I, I would wake up in cold sweats. Was having, it just like the thought of being on stage or like memorizing lines? Was it just oh, the memori- whole experience? Everything I hated. Yeah. I hated memorizing lines. Yeah, me too. That's a tough one. I hated public speaking. I still hate public speaking, which is weird because I'm a podcaster and performer. But right, like, it, it, it's a little bit. It's, it's, like, private, it's still there. You know, <laughs> it's like it's private. I feel yeah. like we're having a private conversation. Oh no, absolutely. I'm very comfortable, and that's the whole point of these kind of things is being able to have a free, honest conversation yeah. without like talking over ten people at a bar. Like totally, I've seen you over the past like three weeks, probably <laughs> three times, like three weekends in a row, basically at shows oh, out shit. at Vinny's and stuff. And like yeah. every time, we always sit down and start having the conversations about you know. Hendrix or Stevie yeah. and like who, all these different things and it's it's nice to actually be able to sit down and like have a formal yeah. like actual honest conversation without again yelling over you know whoever's watching the 49ers play in the background or whatever yeah. <laughs> so do you do you go by JD or no I, I, um, I saw on your Instagram JD and then I was like dude I, I thought your name was Jacob <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it, it, that's yeah. just that's something my grandma used to or still calls me as JD because my a middle initial or middle name is Daniel. Mm. So Jacob Daniel Schmidt and I've always had like a million nicknames growing up. Like just if you I've probably had at least fifteen to twenty different nicknames from different groups of people and family and stuff. Schmidty's a good one, man. Yeah, that one I got That's uh, one of my favorite nicknames. Uh one of my favorite football players of all time, his nickname is Schmitty. Who is that? Steve sure. Smith on the Carolina Panthers. Oh, okay. He's a little he's like a little five foot nine guy who like played way bigger than that. And he, okay, he just right. had a huge heart and huge passion and he was just an awesome guy to watch. And nice. his, his nickname was Schmitty. Okay. So. <laughs> and I think mine came from a commercial. I think because I was in like my freshman or sophomore year of high school. And my last name was, you know, my last name is Schmidt. And all of a sudden, I think it was like a Verizon commercial or something like that. And it was this dude who's at like this corporate setting. And he's like, you've reached, you know, Michael Schmidt. And his roommates go, Schmidt, hey, on your way home, can you pick up a six pack of beer? And like, it was all about unlimited wireless plans starting at And like, but every time he picked up the phone, he'd get like embarrassed because he's in a suit and tie. And his roommates are like, Schmidt, And I just... (laughs) Ever since that commercial came out, I just had friends start calling me Schmitty. Like it wasn't like a grassroots effort of like, you know, when you try to get yourself your own nickname, it never goes well. No. So like the ones that last we are the ones that hit that. you with it. Um, we were we were having a fun debate about that the other day about someone that we know's nickname, and mm-hmm. we were like, did he give himself that nickname? <laughs> And Tom was like, no, I mean, he said it, but then I, like, reinforced it. And I was like, right. so he did <laughs> the nickname. He he came up with this. He planted the seed, maybe, but then everyone else nurtured it and added it and yeah. made it what it is today kind of deal. Yeah. Which I is mean, definitely related. I could feel that with my I name. So. I don't think I really... I mean, I, I had some really dumb nicknames growing up. Uh, really? I was Stupak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I took it took me a second because I got the pock part first. I thought you said two a stew pod, and I was like stew pod. What like a yeah. stew pot? And then yeah. I like stew. I pot. actually got <laughs> stew pot from my uncle. Stew pot square pants. Uh, I got like, dude, I got so many stupid nicknames. Oh yeah. Oh my Stuart sister Stuart Little. Yeah, my uh, sister called me the boy, 
Uh, <laughs> the boy. Well, and it's actually kind of a mean nickname because she was reading this book called The Child Called It, and it's about like this child who grew up in a family whose parents. I swear to God, I read that book. Really? Yeah, I swear oh, dude, to God. my sister read that whole like in her late teens. Read that whole anthology where there's like three books. I want to say. And she, it was because the mom never called the child by name. She just called him the boy. And my sister, because she's an older sister, and older siblings are the best, yeah. uh, especially when you're growing up. Yeah, ask Emily how yeah. I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can only imagine, dude. I, it was because since she was the older one, she was the one who controlled everything. But then, you know, not in like a dictating way, but as siblings, you know, butt heads growing up. But yeah, she would just be like, the boy. You're like, you don't, you don't have a name yet. You have to earn a name. And I'm like, all right, that seems fair. The but, boy, that's yeah. a, I wasn't expecting that. That feels like it came out of left field. Yeah, no, trust me. I've had the boy, uh, bird call, dope turtle, uh, turt dog <laughs> Schmidt nasty, I think is my favorite one. That's, that's my rap name is turt Dude. dog Schmidt nasty. And then Bussy was going to be my co-rapper when he's called Busman Fresh. So, <laughs> nice. Turt yeah, dog my rap name was Stupak. So there Stupak. you go. Stupak, it's perfect. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> that, sometimes they write themselves and you yeah. don't notice it yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I gave myself a nickname uh, like the Hammer. You know, right? Exactly. Because like if that's the case, then it's like I'm not like I'm not calling you. You know top dog or whatever you want yeah. whatever you're trying to spread just stop like we we know who you are yeah. i remember that time you pissed yourself in fifth grade like yeah. you know what i mean like you're not top dog to me <laughs> like, you're pissed dog dude. <laughs> exactly you're waterlogged at this point oh, like, man. you are just nasty so i guess i'll introduce you now uh, this is <laughs> right. that's not a bad idea <laughs> jacob jd uh schmidt right yes. schmidt yeah jacob say, schmidt. is it smith or schmidt schmidt s-c-h-m-i-d-t but that c is a silent baby yeah so schmitty we just call you schmitty pretty yep. much everyone does and he's uh the lead guitar player from overland which is one of our best friend bands here Absolutely, we're uh, man. just a couple of best friends hanging out whenever we're at Dude, the bars and every stuff. time it, it, that's yeah new. we don't really get to hang out too often but when we do get together we pick right back up where it yeah, left off and i'm totally. usually i'm like 50 50 i can either be super outgoing or super introvert but like whenever we hang out it's always mm. just good times rolling so yeah i mean you guys all have a really good vibe about you there are some uh, artists and you know i use that term like with the you know quotations air quotes, yeah. air quotes artists and they like take themselves super seriously and they like they want to put on that like you know that kurt cobain like aura where they're just like i'm moody and dark and like, yeah this is really me my music is really me but then it's like those guys are cool and everything and yeah that music can be really cool but at the same time, I'd rather just play with a bunch of guys who are outgoing and normal. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and that's the thing. It's, it's fun. And if you, you guys get, are all that. You know? Well, thank you. I, we appreciate that. We try to not take ourselves too seriously, especially when we're on stage. Like, if you watch me on stage, you can tell I'm not. Yeah, there is not case, a care. Man. I've almost broken limbs so many times. Yeah. I've dislocated knees. Like, you're No, you're one of the most fun guitar players to watch performers to watch in the Bay Area. So, oh, thank, I don't I mean, know about that, but thank you. I'll take the credit. Dude, it, it's, it's just like talk about authenticity it's like mm -hmm. very authentic the yeah. way that you perform but it's also just like entertaining as hell it's like uh it's like a fucking blacked out you know like hendrix performance or yeah. something where you're just like holy shit that's always what i wanted to go for because yeah. it's like i feel like when i just growing up and watching all of our or when we started playing with other bands and stuff and you see singer songwriters that are awesome awesome songs like this is the greatest song i've ever heard but they are just an absolute bore to yeah. watch and i remember as a quote from like I don't remember exactly, but it was Michael Jackson. He's like, people come to see music for an experience. They want an escape. They don't want to come to be reminded of reality. They want to come to be reminded of what if and like realize that there's so much more out there. So like for me, I just want to be I the entertainment factor is so just as important. Yeah. Because you might not like what we play, but 
I'm dead serious. Out of every show we've played, we've had one show where someone was just like, yeah, you guys sucked. But like, other than that, everyone <laughs> genuinely, and it was our very first show. The very first show we ever played when Josh joined the oh, group and we fuck. became Overland, we got booed at Vinny's. You guys got booed? Yeah, we got booed our very first show. And, uh, That's so fucking disrespectful. I mean, he was a drunk guy. It was an open mic night, and we were playing on other people's gear. Like, we, it wasn't a great show. And again, it was our first show, but we just needed... We were, had a Battle of the Bands competition coming up in like a month, and yeah. Josh joined the group like two months before that. And had he been playing bass for a while before that? Yeah, he's, I think yeah. he's been playing... Him and Bussy have been playing instruments the longest. I know Bussy's been playing for like 15 plus years now. Oh, geez. Like he's, he's did big band. He knows how to play trombone and like a lot of horn section and okay. stuff like that. Um, which I want to, we need to start utilizing a little more because I've always, like, yeah. some of these new songs we're writing, I'm like, oh man, that'd be cool if we could have a horn section yeah. here or one or two pieces. But yeah, no, Josh has been playing bass like. It's funny. We asked him to play because we knew how good of a bass player he was. Because he was playing with some local friends, like not in a band. They would just jam. But like he says, like we've been jamming together for ten years and had never written a song. Mm-hmm. Like they just, it's for fun. But you could tell Josh was ready to kind of go in a more directed or more directional way, in a sense, and work on music. And we, you got to play with us, play with us. No, no, I can't. I'm loyal to my friends. I only can play with these guys. And then after such a while, a weird, it's such a weird like mindset to have. Like yeah, it's like just, cheating. You're like, dude. Yeah, and I'm like, but it's it's not like we're not yeah. stealing you or anything. We just want to play with you. And then if you like it and you want to continue it, cool. If not, then go away. And we <laughs> we're so still coercive, friends, man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I mean we <laughs> just try it out. Just try it if out. If you man. like it, then what? Whoa, keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just be like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying we all have to smoke crack, but we should at least try. You know, just like <laughs> that's basically we're just trying to hawk him into our drug. Like we want him to get hooked on Overland. Yeah, and that was man. before we were in Overland because we were in a, we were a band called Rude, uh, and it was me, Cole Bussy, and our friend Dave Teixeira. Uh, but Dave kind of, he wasn't really into the music thing anymore. He, he'd been playing bass for a long time too, but he ended up selling his rig to Josh okay. who became his replacement. And then that's why we were like, well, we're not rude anymore because it's not the same lineup. And yeah. so we thought for a long time about what should we be called? And we really liked the whole old West theme. Yeah. Like we had, the, we have our song Stagecoach, which was one of the very first songs we ever wrote that actually Dave, uh, helped co-write with us back in the day. And so we started looking up like things about stagecoaches and stuff and found out that the Overland Express was the last operating stagecoach uh, company in the United States and in California. And they were the last ones that were famously robbed, apparently. Okay. And so we were like, hmm, Overland. That kind of sucks. Like, pretty cool. Overland. Pretty cool story. Yeah, exactly. It's like outlaw. Like That's what we kind of like. We consider ourselves to be outlaw rock and roll, but yeah. I feel like that brings off a country vibe, which we definitely do not have, I feel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just we... We wanted something that was truly rooted in California and like that's awesome, honest man. to where we came from and stuff that we're all interested in. So yeah, that's awesome, man. You got and you guys do have like a very heavy rock feel. Definitely. Um, what are what would you say are like your uh, like overall band like, um, you know, all together? What is like a band that you guys share that you guys like? We're like we like this music. We like you know. Hendrix or ACDC or whatever it might be. Right. Like, what do you guys have any shared bands that you guys like really love? Kind of. We, well, like when we first started off, like the Raccoon Tours were, he, they were our mm. biggest influence. We wanted to be the Raccoon Tours so bad to the point that we used to play Steady As She Goes and Blue Veins. We used yeah. to play those as cover songs. We used to, I, I take full responsibility for butchering blue veins, but we still managed for playing sure it. bring that back one day. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it would be fun. We, especially now that they're, resurfacing again and it, it's kinda, just nice to sneak a cover 
in there. Even if it's like uh, like Blue Veins, it's like a song that you know you've probably heard before, but you can't put your finger on it, but it's such a great song, oh, you know? Man. Those are the best covers to do, because people are like, it's not like you're sitting there rocking uh, like uh, Free Back in Black. Yeah, exactly. You know? Something like, everyone yeah. knows, which... After a certain point, you're like, all right, come on. That's like a that's a little bit of a cheap shot. A like, you know nose, everyone's yeah. gonna be jumping yeah. around and like like it's fun, but you you're not gonna do it better than A C D C I'm sorry. Like yeah. <laughs> if I want to hear back yeah. in black, I'll listen to them. But a deep cut where it's like like you said, you may or may not have heard it growing up or you haven't heard it in a long time, and they just go Wow, like that was really good. Did you write that? And we're like, no, that's a rack on tour song. Like, who? Do- yeah, they come up and they're like, who does that? Yeah, and and they're like, did you do that? You yeah, know? and like that whole thing. We do that with a uh, uh, "Love Me Tenderly" by the Felice Brothers. Oh, okay, yeah, we play that song, and like people are like, dude, that's such a great song. And they're like, who does it again? And we're like, oh, it's the Felice Brothers. And I feel like it's paying homage to like those bands. You get to shout those bands out, and then, yeah, you know, not that we have a huge following or anything but it, it's just nice to be able to share music that you love with other people and oh yeah absolutely being able to just show people where you came from help might help understand what you're doing now yeah because sometimes like i've had people that were like oh we liked your show i don't understand why you're doing what you're doing on stage <laughs> like why are you jumping why are you thrashing what yeah. are you doing and i'm like yeah but if you go back and listen to the people that i listen to like hendrix and uh, uh rory gallagher and stuff like rory gallagher was just a beast of a guitar player and he just played with so much conviction had a bag full of tricks but he didn't use them all the time so that when he did bust out some crazy guitar thing you're like whoa like i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about him playing dude i need to get into him man i haven't really gotten into him yet but you were telling me about him i think one time at Vinny's, and Mm -hmm. i was like i think i or maybe you made a post or something and i ended up googling him and seeing what's up with that dude yeah i think i made a post where it was like someone asked eric clapton what's it like to be the greatest guitar player in the world and he said go ask rory gallagher like and that was in like cream days go ask hendrix man yeah no absolutely (laughs) we've had that conversation they're like honestly in the band like who do you think is the most important guitar player of all and i'm like it's not even a conversation it's just it's Jimi hendrix like even if you don't He's not your cup of tea. Just what he did for music and musicality and guitar playing specifically, but like just he opened everybody's minds and ears to new possibilities of Sonic. And he worked with just the right people at the right time. It couldn't have been anyone else because he was just right where he needed to be at the right time. Supernova, yeah, absolutely. It was like rat, and it was like. You know, you've heard the stories, and everyone's heard the stories about like Hendrix showing up in London before he had a fucking visa to play. Yeah. So he like he couldn't play his own shows and work, but he mm-hmm. could like you know guest spot and like show up. So you know, Chaz Chandler had uh, talked to Eric Clapton. He's like, Hendrix really wants to play with you, and that's one of Hendrix's big things about going to London. He's like, can I meet Eric Clapton? Oh, absolutely. And then Chaz Chandler was like, yeah, for sure. So like he's like, yeah, this guitar player from uh, the U.S. He wants to hop on stage for you. Is that cool? And Eric Clapton, you know, in all his glory at that yeah. time, was like cocky as fuck. He's like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm the best. Yeah, for sure. He's, I mean, he still is pretty cocky if you look at it. But yeah, yeah, especially back then, he was being called God. Like yeah. graffitiing in buildings, Clapton is God yeah. on the side of a building. So you got to have an ego after that. And then but Hendrix showed up and mm-hmm. just you know shit in his mouth and like <laughs> after, after that it was just like Clapton apparently Clapton was like trying to be like Hendrix you know he oh, was just dude, like that's what everyone said they're like it wasn't a matter of like whether you you no one could be Hendrix everyone knew yeah. that they're like oh like there's that famous story of uh I want to say it was either Keith Richards and Paul McCartney or it might have been Eric Clapton and Paul McCartney or something like that and they're watching him play back I think after he got his visa and was allowed to play on his own shows and they were literally like holding each other's hands being like we're screwed like yeah. he just he just put us all out of a job and i feel that especially with pete townsend he kind of openly took that a little more bitterly even though he praised hendrix 
I feel he kind of got robbed a little bit. Well, Hen- uh, Hendrix admitted. I mean, Hendrix didn't admit it, but it, I think it's pretty well documented that he essentially stole like uh, Pete Townsend's rig. Like, oh he yeah, had the high high watt amp, and mm-hmm. like apparently the story goes, Hendrix like visited with Townsend and uh, you know asked him about all his gear and shit, yeah. and then like saw it and then the next day apparently had everything <laughs> that was just like Townsend. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think he'd been playing a strat for a long time, but the he eventually switched to the Marshall. Right. We, he met yeah. he, has, he just started meeting different people and they were like, "No, if you want power, I'll give you 100 watts of pure Marshall power right there." Yeah, it's And crazy. then watching Clapton with Marshalls too, you know, it helped, but Yeah, it's but Hendrix, it's really important to note, like, he did borrow a lot from these other contemporary guitar players. Oh, like, yeah. He borrowed a lot from, you know, Clapton, Townsend, even all those, uh, those the Isles Brothers, uh, Little Richard, all right. those dudes all he played, played with earlier. With. And he, so it, it's important to note that although he did, you know, set the world on fire and he's undoubtedly the greatest guitar player, rock guitar player, at least, of all time. Yeah. He did, you know, he was nurtured by a lot of really awesome guitarists at the same time. Oh, absolutely. But and they buoyed him, and he definitely surpassed them. You it's know? just because he came out, he was this 20-something good-looking dude. You know, he was, a, like a, he was a black dude, but who had, like, a Bob Dylan perm. Like, Bob Dylan was his mm-hmm. jam. Like, he used to be... Yeah. There's pictures of him with curlers in his hair because he's trying to mimic Bob Dylan's hair. Like, he was the... He, I remember reading a book about him. I think it's called Room Full of Mirrors. And like one of his girlfriends was just like, if you thought he liked Bob Dylan, you have no idea how much he did. As soon as the Blonde on Blonde album came out, he literally dragged me into his bedroom and said, you have to listen to this album. And she's just like, okay, I don't get Like she just didn't like Bob Dylan, but the um, she, he would not let her leave until she listened to the full album like twice or something well, like that. If you listen to Hendrix's lyrics, they're very similar to Bob Dylan's mm-hmm. phrasing. Like the way that he like kind of rambles and like has a lot of lyricism and a lot of imagery in like yeah. a short space. Like Hendrix, he has a quote of something and of course we're all paraphrasing. We don't have like any notes. Right, anything, right, but yeah. he, he had a quote of saying, he's like, I feel like I could write lyrics like Bob Dylan if I ever got myself together or something like that. Like, <laughs> And so, so if like you listen that. to like uh, Bold as Love mm-hmm. or you know I, I guess even like Castles yeah, Made of Sand Castles is a great lyrical yeah, yeah, song yeah, yeah 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 that's a great one it's just um, it's a perfect song man it's got dude. guitar ingenuity at it's finest editing and producing at it's finest where it's playing those guitar tracks Eddie backwards Kramer, in the beginning man. And Eddie Kramer was yeah. a transcendent engineer uh, and he, he never gets enough credit no and he was like he was one of the people who really made Hendrix what he was like he totally. fought to be like, no, this guy isn't a great guitar player. Now we need to see how to capture what he's doing that's so special on stage on a record. And that's yeah. that's hard for any musician, yeah. but let alone We're in the We're dealing 60s. with that now, and it's fucking really hard. <laughs> Dude, it's tough. We've been dealing with our whole yeah. career. And, so uh, you know, we're slowly getting better at it. Like, we think we got a little bit more in touch with it on our Luna EP release. And with these new songs we're coming out with, it's... Uh, yeah. It'll be we'll, fun. we'll table Hendrix for a sec. What I want to talk about, like your new, because I saw you guys were in the studio. You have like a studio that you go to in San Francisco. Yeah, we work with, uh, we work at this place called the Complex Recording Studio on Stevenson Street, which is like an alleyway street, a block over from Market. Okay. So it's right in the heart of downtown San Francisco. There, I mean, I was just in that area two days ago. Yeah, it's literally, yeah. it's like you get off at Fifth Street or whatever, you know, and then you take, I think it's Fifth and Eleventh, and you cut up Eleventh. Anyways. They don't need to know how to get there. Google it. <laughs> get there. <laughs> if you want to know how to get there, you can look up George S. Rosenthal, who if is the producer. If you want to protest their next yeah, uh, exactly. recording session. 
if you want to fight the system <laughs> and get overland off the airwaves, please meet us at the complex. And uh, that's the main thing. Why I have that's you on right. this uh, podcast right now. <laughs> this is just a whole gotcha campaign. Airwa- yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, and probably well-deserved. Um, <laughs> but no, George has been, we've worked with him on every recording. We played a show with the stone foxes, I think in 2015, I want to say yeah. more 14. really good guys who are just uh, yeah. fucking badass. Shannon and Spencer and all those guys are freaking awesome. And, um, Elliot, who he doesn't play with them anymore, but he was the keyboard player. Yeah, he actually yeah. worked at the studio with George, and we played a show with them, and we were talking back with our manager. We had a manager named Rich Barnes. Shout out to Richard. Uh, love you, you crazy bearded bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he like started talking to him. He's like, oh, yeah, I work at a studio. Come on through, and introduced us to George, and George immediately got what we were trying to do and was throwing really good ideas at us. Like we told, he's like, what do you want from me? Do you want me to just press play and let you guys do your thing? Or do you want like advice? Do you want critique? And we were like, dude, we are so novice. If we are terrible, please tell us. Like, and Mm -hmm. if you have any ideas, let us know and we'll happily try them. And like, we've had a lot of random success on certain songs from ideas that he threw out there. Yeah. Uh, Like uh, just the structure of our chorus for we're going to need a bigger boat which is off of the Luna EP from 2017. And you can just a total shout out the Luna EP. You can listen to it on uh, where do you listen to your music? Uh, Spotify is yeah. the best nice. spot for it. So yeah. It Our website the- game is terrible. Cause again, I, I do a lot of the like production and like managing stuff for the band behind yeah. the scenes, like all the social media and most of the booking stuff. But since I don't have a computer and I all I'd have is my phone, our website is just terrible. But if you want to listen to our music, look us up on Spotify at Overland. Uh, the image is, I believe, all four of us standing in our Scaramouche, Scaramouche pose <laughs> with the lights, like the Queen album cover nice. kind of deal. Nice, man. Which, that was a funny day, too. Oh, man, that was... I felt so bad for Bussy because he was... We got out to Mare Island to shoot in this bunker, and we had to walk up this grassy slope, and Bussy's wearing, like, full... Like, a suit coat <laughs> and, like, a hoodie underneath. Like, he's looking fresh, and he just goes up and slips and just gets mud all oh. the And, like rightfully so like kind of bummed him out he's like dude we can't do any photos like i'm covered in mud like you're not like and just like you know was up rightfully so upset but alden cook who is our one of our closest friends he's our fifth beetle really yeah uh and our photographer uh and just voice of reason sometimes <laughs> he was just like dude i will make you look fine and sure enough me and him are standing in the background cole and josh are on front and this bench we pulled out and like you can't even tell like it looks dude, great it would almost be like one of those cool easter eggs like like uh <laughs> yeah like paul mccartney not having shoes or right, like exactly. you know having the black rose can you find the mud in the yeah, picture and like, it's like what? why is bu- is bussy dead yeah. <laughs> why is he muddy it we have replaced the grave bussy. dirt that exactly. is the grave mud bussy has been replaced by two eight-year-olds in a trench coat sitting on top of each other's shoulders like they're just that's that's the new bussy right there we got a fake beard on him you know very convincing though they do great work so the bussy is dead conspiracy just started here yeah absolutely uh, i can neither confirm nor deny this all we know is that we love you bussy and we miss you man come back like please come back please come back to us (laughs) no i i love that guy he he's one of the he was literally the first person i met when i moved down to the bay area when i was 16 he was where did you where did you move from? I lived in Northern California up by Chico in uh, Orville. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah, lived yeah. in Orville for about 8 years um uh with my mom and my sister and you know just Northern California kind of hood rat life, just having fun yeah. riding my BMX. I used to ride BMX and skateboard and of kind of course, hung out with that's those what crews. you do up in Northern California, right? Especially when they put a brand new skate park literally a court like not even a 
a hundred yards from my front door at my mom's house. Get into a lot of trouble at those places, man. Yeah. Oh, trust me. So many (laughs) fights happened over like, you know, you stole my Swisher. And then just like, oh, I'm like, whoa, we are fighting over something that literally costs... Not 99 cents for two of them. Like, yeah. <laughs> we can pump the, I'll get you another one. Let them it's gotta go. got to be some more deep-seated hatred. Then. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and, and all it was is just that kind of ignorant pride of being like, oh, you're on our turf, blah, 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 as yeah. opposed to being like, well, no, enjoy what we have. And hopefully one day we can come up to where you guys are and enjoy what you have. Like, it's totally. It was way more competitive, but explain that to a 16-year-old, you know, who's figuring out all the emotions going through his body. a lot of issues, yeah. Okay, we were all, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely grown a lot as a person since I was 16. I, I'd like to hope that everyone does, you know? Yeah, I definitely don't feel I have grown as much as I would like to yeah. since then, and I'm realizing that now over the past few years. So it's been a really interesting time for me trying to, like, kind of, you know, evolve finally because I'm, I'm very much a sweeping under the rug kind of guy. Mm. I don't like to deal with stuff head on, but I know that's not, like, the appropriate way to go yeah. about things in life. So I'm really trying to be more open and honest uh, and work on like being in tune with my emotions so that I know how to react and what to do properly when certain emotions come up. I think just being honest with your emotions is like the best policy and being honest in a like a controlled way. So yeah. you're not like you can be on. I mean, obviously, like if you freaking blow up and have like this <laughs> screaming match, like that is honesty, but it's not controlled. Honesty. It's not productive. Honesty. Yeah. It's just lashing out. That's all so, that is. And that's your honesty. You know, it's not necessarily the. The, the equivocal, truth unequivocal whatever, yeah. truth, yeah. So uh, I just believe that. And it's like whenever I get in arguments with people, generally what I try to do is just like remain kind. It's not just arguments. It's like any emotion you have. I try yeah. to like remain, it, you know, rooted myself. Don't let the adrenaline or the, the passion overwhelm yeah. it. And just like try to talk it through. Try and stay grounded so that you can be make the right decision. Because yeah. it's real easy when you get caught up in the moment to go, oh, that's exactly what I want. And then five minutes later or the next day you wake up and go, Oh man, I just caused so much problem for myself because I didn't. I jumped before I looked real, real bad, which is a big thing yeah. for me. I fall, like especially even in like relationships and stuff like yeah. that. I'm always the first person to be like, "I love you," and I'm just like, <laughs> "No, no." And even as soon as the yeah. words say my mouth, I'm like yeah. throwing a lasso around it. I'm like, "Please come back." I like, yeah. I like you a lot right now, but I probably shouldn't have said that. And so then, yeah. then you get problems from there. But yeah, there's a right and a wrong way to be open and honest with your emotions. Totally. For sure. I had a I had an old housemate who was. He would, he was like the just push it down guy. Anything, yeah. like any feelings he'd have, any like anything he'd be pissed off about, he'd never tell you. He'd just push it down and then just like give you the cold shoulder. And yeah. it's just like, bro, like I'm not a fucking mind reader. Like no, if you're exactly. pissed at something I did, say like it. you gotta say it and yeah. then we can talk about it. But if you just push it down and then like, you know, do some passive aggressive shit it's like that's not productive at all not at all and that that's something that we had to learn as a band uh with our the four of us in overland was just like don't wear the like take off the wool sweater that was our catchphrase forever it's like don't wear the wool sweater like if you have something on you that's weighing you down we need to talk about it because we've literally i'd say we've been a band since the november of 2012 so we're coming on seven years yeah seven years same lineup and everything and it's been you know, the most amazing and most stressful thing at the same time mm-hmm. I've ever been a part of because you're trying to control, you know, the band's direction, but also your own individual emotions and like trying to, you know, leave each other room to breathe and stuff like that. But if, you know, you, like you said, we were talking about earlier, it's just like, oh, you, or I think it might have been another episode where you're like, oh, your drum's a little offbeat or something like that. Or, oh, your guitar's out of tune. Like, check that real quick. Or you're coming in on the three yeah. when we're all coming in on the two. 
like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's really easy when you're in that creative space to take something sideways, even if yeah. it's something as simple as that, where, oh, your guitar's out of tune. Yeah. So it's like, as soon as something comes up, like, just stop it. And I've gotten to the point where we're, if we're practicing and I feel tent, like, say, you know, Josh and Cole or something like that are getting into argument, I'll just stop practicing and be like, no, what's going on? Like, talk about this. Yeah. Not all the time. And I'm not perfect. Yeah. Like I said, I try to not, I try to pick and choose my battles, but like, if it's holding back the entirety of the band, we need to deal with it. Yeah, we need to be better at that because you know there's definitely times where someone will get like frustrated and mm-hmm. then it and then they'll kind of just push it down and just yeah. be moody and it's like that's not helping anyone here. Like no, and and, and it's tough to broach the subject because then you got to get into that. You know, you got to get into it. Yeah, you gotta, and I don't want to say roll in the mud because no one wants to roll in the mud. But then you got to be in that space. Or oh you're yeah, like you've got to. You then have it. to deal with it. Yeah, you, you know, have to and deal with it. And it's way easier to just ignore it. Oh, you know? without a doubt. But it, easier in what sense? You're easier in the moment, but for the long yeah. run, you'll be like, man, why do I feel like nobody's talking to each other at practice for the past month? Like, yeah, you know, like everyone's just kind of on their phone and be like, all right, well, do we want to go in there? And they're like, all right. And I'm just like, yeah. that's. Like what we were talking that's about earlier. Awkward. If it's <laughs> yeah, if it's not so fun, like then why are you doing it? You guys ever gotten close to breaking up? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, when you have four people with all like, we all kind of start off on the same track musically, and like we were all very connected in what we want to do. But then as people grow up, you kind of want to start doing different things. And my musical tastes have definitely varied from what I first started doing Overland. But like, yeah, I've definitely there was one time in particular where I had emotions that I wasn't dealing with. Uh, towards Cole at the time and and it wasn't his fault it's just you know he he was coming up and like changing his life for the better and he was being happy doing other things that weren't necessarily the band and like I feel like I took that sideways and I was just like you know I called him fake and like got really mad and like stormed off he would like to the point where I was yelling at him he's just like I think it's best if you just leave now and I was just yeah. like all right dude well I'm not coming back then and just left yeah. and then sure enough five minutes after I leave he just blows up my phone. He's like calling me, calling me, calling me to try and apologize. Cause you know, he's, like, I shouldn't have told you to leave. And like, we've, we've squashed it. You know, we've cried together. We've laughed together. Yeah. We fought together. Like I just kind of snapped at him the other day before the show on Sunday, like <laughs> he, something happened. And I was just like, don't you dare, you know, like yeah. you have to be able to push each other and be honest with each other. Cause we're, we're brothers. Like me and Cole started, like Cole started playing drums because of what we're doing. Like I didn't yeah. have a drummer and I've been playing guitar for a year and I had a drum kit, and I was like, hey, man, do you want to come play drums with me? So, like, we've always been at the core. Me and Cole have always been brothers in arms and started music together. So it's like, no matter if we hate each other at the, in the moment, I know, like, 20 minutes later, I'll be like, so you want to go, you know, you want to go smoke a joint or something like that? And you yeah, go hang out. Like, it's all... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And same with me and Bussy and me and Josh. Like, especially with me and Bussy. Me and Bussy have had a lot of ups and downs, too. But we've always found a way to get back to it. Because I'm just like, I love these people. Like, I... Just because I'm mad at them doesn't mean I don't love them still gotten, and care about we've them. We've gotten close a few times uh, yeah. because, you know, being we're a completely family band, basically. Like, yeah. my sister is married to Tom, who's our bass player, and yeah. then Alante's been with us for five years, so it's like it's easy to get comfortable. Oh, absolutely. And it's like we sometimes we argue like family, and there's been a few times where it's like, you know, we, we were, we're not talking to each other for like a few days, and yeah. it's like, and I got this like fear of losing what oh, we dude, have it's the and worst. i'm just like dude i don't want to lose what we have and it, it feels exactly like a relationship like dude, where you like fucking get in an argument with <sighs> this girl that you love and then yeah. you're just like what am i doing and you're just like how can i fix this and how can we fix this but still you know the reason why i was mad was this so how can we address this but at the same time 
be still, understanding like, of everyone else's needs still. Like, yeah. And that's the hard part. Cause that's what I've always said. <laughs> being in a band is like being in a relationship, but instead of like, you know, a like sex or a physical or a connection like that, it's yeah. just like, we get it through the music, but it's like being in a relationship with three other people and everyone, like, if you were in a, th- a monogamous relationship like that with three other people, it would just be insane in any yeah. other circumstances. Dude, it would be too much. Dude, that's that's why yeah. I think of like all the people like out east, back east, like in Utah, who I, I couldn't imagine having like five wives or anything like that. <laughs> I'm like, I have three brothers, and I, I want to murder if they them were all. all. Friends, like four, it could I mean, be cool, right? Like, if all yeah. five of them were like, were like, they're sister wives. Like, if they're all chill with each other, but right, I don't know, dude. I've on paper, about, that sounds great, but I think in I execution, think every guy's, I think every guy's probably thought about that. You know, oh, like, yeah. but like, I mean, may, you may not have thought about it too heavily, but like, yeah. you hear about it and you go, what the hell would that be like? Yeah, you know, it must be really intense. Tense. Yeah, that's a lot of <laughs> a lot of back and forth. I feel there was yeah. a comedian. He's just like, could you imagine having five wives? Just going, where are you going out? Where are you going out? Where are you going out to each one? You know, like, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't imagine having the They're same. All blowing up your phone. When are you getting home? 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 Five different people sending you the same message, just being like, oh, I'm gonna oh lose my, my shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. It, there's something like it. Uh, it's there's something really awesome about you know being in a relationship because you feel like you're nurtured and cared for like and and it, you feel the same way in the band like oh, yeah. you feel nurtured and cared for but then there's also this feeling where you want to be an individual you know and i think it goes both ways in music and relationships like you want to be an individual in the band yeah. and in you know that entity mm-hmm. but you also are so grateful to be part of something oh where someone God, has yes. your back and like you know, i know doubt. like like for example we had this one situation i might have told the story on the podcast before i don't know but we had this one situation where we were, we were playing in slow right mm-hmm. and it was dead completely dead there was like four people there and um it was a Sunday at 10 p.m., Ooh, you yeah. know, when we started. So yeah. it was like, fuck. Yeah, you're like, all right, we're here. Let's, you let's know, we already play. spent the gas money. Let's and, do uh, it, guys. So we started playing, <laughs> and, like, no one was there. And there was, like, this kind of bummy guy in the corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was drinking out of a plastic water cup, like, charging his phone and, like, had his bag with him and, like, all this crap. Right, and, yeah. And uh, the bartender goes, you know what? I know you guys are from out of town. Like, there's no one here. If you want to cut cut out an hour early, like, that's totally chill. I Personally, I wanted to keep playing because dude, I'm I was the having same a good way. time. And I was like, dude. I'm on stage. Let's do it. Like, it I'm here. It was so frustrating uh, because I felt like I, I was actually playing like one of the best I've ever felt like I was playing on stage. Like, I was like, I'm doing things that I want to do in my head, but I couldn't, you know, yeah. accomplish. And like, but uh, Emily and Tom were like, all right, let's just wrap it up. And I'm like, uh, no. And I think Elante was with me. We were like, dude, we're having fun. Like, yeah, it's like we're on stage playing music. How does it get any so better than this? So we start packing up. I packed up my guitar. You know, I, I was actually in the by the car when this mm-hmm. happened. But the the bummy guy goes up to my sister. He's like, you guys are done? And she was just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, we're done. And he throws his water cup at her. No And it misses way. her. And just talk about having your back, you know like that oh god fucking tom and elante were just boom right in front of her like yeah. you're not fucking with her dude like that's not happening dude, no i could easily see like and i love tom davis he's one of the sweetest people ever yeah. but i can easily see him just going like i'm gonna fucking destroy you with yeah. no problem like he's he's a he's a protector for so sure. this guy you know obviously was like oh shit it was like easy to pick on a girl but then yeah. two guys and i mean elante's a big dude too no absolutely and, and, like, so then the bartender, who is like five foot five, like <laughs> little guy, he comes out and like starts kind of pushing the guy out. Stab you to this go, pal. This guy had the funniest party. And this is when I came in. 
and I was like, what's going on? You know, and like, yeah. this guy said the dumbest, most funny thing I've ever heard. He was like, you guys aren't shit compared to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and we're like, no shit, <laughs> asshole. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> you like, you're no like, Beatles. It's like, dude, yeah, no, duh. Dude, the second he said it, you could tell he was like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot. Well, like, that, he was like, oh, damn it. That's amazing. I, like, who's going, like, who's going to be like, Radio Keys is trying to do that Led Zeppelin thing. And it's just dude. like, no, like, that's not it. Like, that's not what we're trying to do. Like, we're just trying to perform and do our own thing. Yeah, but like, when did we get it's, up there and we're like, we're so better funny. than Led Zeppelin, everybody. Exactly. That's an Overland type of thinking. And it's always <laughs> done us wrong. So don't, I'm telling you, Stu, don't go down that path, man. Dude, <laughs> we want to do some Led Zeppelin tunes, man. Oh, so much. And you guys could do some of the cool ones too. Like, hey, hey, what can That's I say? That's what we want to do. That's literally the song we want to do. We talked with Nico from Well Secluded, another great Martinez band. We want to give a shout out to. Love them. Give them a listen to on Spotify get that as well. Guy on the podcast, he seems like a really interesting dude. Oh, that's one way to put it. We, <laughs> I love Nico to death, but dear God, he can be a pain. Would he be, and a, an ass. Would he but, be a nightmare in here? But I love. I, I genuinely do enjoy talking with him because he's an honest person. And like in a yeah. world where everyone kind of hides behind, like what Jane was talking about in that episode, hides behind the internet and stuff like that. It's very even if you don't agree with him, or even if he's kind of like in your face, or he's you know kind of trolling you a little bit, like I appreciate the honesty still. Totally. And I could have a, I could have an honest conversation. Like when I split from my, um, me and my uh, ex girlfriend broke up uh, at the beginning of summer. Like we were at Mountain Vibe, and I was talking with, excuse me, talking with Nico, and he you know had a couple of drinks, and he just like gave me some very honest opinions and like advice about stuff, and like it really put my head into perspective and helped me out, and I was like. Did Nico just give me really good advice? Like I was baffled. I was like, "Wait, what?" And then I'm like, "Oh, okay." Like from that moment on, I just had like a whole new level of respect for the guy because I was like, "Oh no, he genuinely cares about his friends. It's just you know he likes to do what other dudes do and just kind of talk shit to each other." You Dude, know, if that's what I that's what I say because we always give Tom a hard time. He's right. kind of like can be like the punching bag like for the for all of our jokes and shit. And it's a base, seen, pa- it's a base seen, player thing. Unfortunately, if you've seen our uh, Instagram stories, we're always trolling Tom. Yeah, like. And oh, he, same with Josh, dude. Every time we post, it's just because Josh has no Instagram. So I'm like, he's the target. Sorry, bud. It's just, we love Tom, but it's like, um, my girlfriend's always like, you should, you know, you should cut Tom a break every once in a while. <laughs> and we're like, dude, if we weren't talking shit on Tom, that's when you know, like, and as a guy, it's mm-hmm. like, if you're not talking shit to each other, that's when you know that maybe people don't like you that much. Yeah. <laughs> like, or you realize you might have crossed the line at one yeah. another time and they don't want to say anything about it because it's yeah. been fun. But it's just like, there is a limit to that kind of stuff. Oh, to where, for sure. Because I've, you don't want to bully anyone. It's not no. like, you obviously don't want to bully anyone. But if you're like ribbing each other, like, I have a group of, um, of college friends mm-hmm. we all played ultimate frisbee together and like back in college and we're still in like uh, a fantasy football league and oh, stuff okay, yeah. so, so you guys we still just, mingle a little oh we just talk shit to each other constantly <laughs> there's like 12 of us in a group chat and we're just yeah. like ripping each other and there's no shortage when it comes no, to fantasy and football it, man and it's just because we all like each other like yeah we wouldn't be ripping each other if we just were acquaintances and i feel like the reason we do that is that, like if it's one-on-one it doesn't happen as much like if we were to just sit here and start talking shit on each other i got a feeling we'd probably awkward. get really pissed off at each other and get awkward but <laughs> when you're in that group setting with all the guys like you're it's just like a naturalistic instinct to kind of you want to stand out a little bit so you go oh well let's just kind of tag team on this guy for a minute and you say something because you want the other people to react yeah not that you want to hurt their feelings or you what you're saying is the funniest you just you know you kind of want to get the right everybody yeah. you know what i mean guys and kind of look yeah, around and about the psychology of it i guess that's probably true i do i think about that stuff all the time i remember before i wanted to be an actor i wanted to be a child psychologist when i was like i remember that was my first job i wanted when i was 10 years old i was like i want to be a child dude, that's psychologist. a weird ass 10 year old yeah <laughs> i just i always like the idea of how brains work and why brains do certain things 
uh, at certain times. I don't really know much about it. I have my own theories on certain things. Nothing like that I can draw off of a pull up right now, but like I just like the potential of a human brain because there's so much there that it has not even been tapped into and like why people do certain things. It just really fascinates me, man. I and especially just, you know, I thought it'd be important. Like if you're gonna do something like that, it might as well be for kids, because kids are the gonna be the future of the world one day. So it, help them navigate through the unknown as early as possible. Yeah, dude, but, that's a really interesting career choice. I think I just wanted to be a professional athlete or something. <laughs> oh really were you a big sports kid growing up? Big time. Yeah. yeah. Before I found music, I was just like obsessed with sports. What was your sport of choice? Um, I love football. Yeah. Football I played a little bit of football. Um in high school, but not nothing to. I mean, like I got basically bullied quite a bit in uh, high school and middle school. So mm-hmm. like the football team it was just relentless, and I was like, you know, oh I god, yeah. This. And then by then I had started playing guitar. So um, I was more of just like because um, you know how it is in middle school. You're just like playing on the blacktop or whatever. Oh yeah, exactly. So I just play two hand touch all the time. Yeah. I, I would. I was pretty fast growing up because I was like I grew up a little bit faster than everyone else. So I was like. I did the track and field stuff okay. in middle school. Yeah, and same. Like, I did track and field, too, in middle school for a couple and, of years. Uh, I played soccer growing up a little bit, and then mm-hmm. I started getting into Ultimate Frisbee, and then I was pretty pretty into... That was, like, a big reason why I didn't really fully play music for the last eight, like, what, seven years, six years, because I was really, like, neck deep into Ultimate Frisbee. No, that's <laughs> I, awesome, I, like, man. I was playing tournaments all over the country. And Where's like, the farthest you'd ever gone to play Ultimate uh, Frisbee? Was it mostly state? Was it mostly California? Probably based? Chicago. It? Oh, really? Yeah, Holy I went crap. to, like, Chicago, Utah, Arizona. Um, and was this, like, a sponsorship thing? Or was this, like, I just love doing this, was, so I'm going to go? Was, it was, like, a club thing. So mm-hmm. you pay, you know, to, yeah. to go play, basically. You pay okay, for yeah. everything. Yeah, your entry fees and yeah. all that. So... Occasionally we do like fundraisers and stuff and would help yeah. out with some stuff, but it, it was it was still a very, you know, like competitive high level thing. So like that's kinda how I got my kicks and when I got really disheartened with the music industry in general, and it was it was a reflection of myself because like I was in a band called Azrael for fucking nine years, from like fourteen to about twenty well that math didn't Holy add crap, up. Yeah. But like fourteen I guess it was like seven or eight years, like fourteen yeah. to twenty one or twenty one, twenty two, yeah. So when that like we we that was when Jet was really big and the vines and <laughs> That's the, right. the white stripes <laughs> and we dude I wanted to be Jet so bad <laughs> dude, dude they were huge they were like no I mean and I use this term very loosely they were like the it band they were like the Rolling Stones of like the early two thousand they like, were so sick and roll, I, I even still roll over DJ on. was a decent song dude, was, for sure you know I, what I mean like <laughs> I throw on Get Born to this day like if I'm like doing a workout or I'm like mm-hmm. driving and yeah. I want to like get pumped I'll listen to like Get Born and that album front to back is still pretty damn good there's a lot of yeahs like yeah. it's like he makes James Hetfield like you know. <laughs> He, yeah, you're not wrong there. He, yeah. But so you're saying it really adds to the character of the song sometimes to give a lot of oohs and ahs yeah. and yas and stuff. Like, oh yeah, dude, we. Should, I want to circle back there in a second, but like, once once Azrael was done, I was mm-hmm. like going to college. Everyone was going to college. You know, it was going to be done. Yeah, we had our last show at uh, what's it called Blake's in Berkeley. Oh wow, yeah. And uh, we had a ton of people show up. We played with a band called All Heroes Die. Okay. And they they had a ton of people. They were like a really big like kind of screamo alt band with like a, a couple brothers fronted it, guitar player and singer. And what kind of style was uh Azrael? What was it? Azrael? Azrael. Dude, we Azrael. Were jet, bro. Well, that's, oh, that's right. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's why you said screamo stuff and I was like, "Wait, and what kind of music?" Like, no, but we never it. caught on. Like no one, I mean, in hindsight, I know why we never caught on cuz we weren't that great. 
but we were we had good energy and that, and I used to perform more like you, like where you're on the ground on your knees, like fucking yeah. shredding. It I may not to, sound the prettiest, but at the same uh, time, it's fun to watch. I used to play with my teeth like Hendrix. Like yeah. I was like all about that life. See, that's the one thing I couldn't do is <laughs> teeth play. My teeth oh, hurts my brain and my uh, psyche just thinking about. And it. like Ugh. once that went down, I I was like dude, what am I going to do? Like, what am yeah. I going to do? And then I started going to school, learning music theory and stuff. And I didn't really want to play with anyone because I had already found Emily mm-hmm. as a songwriter. I'm like, Emily is such a great songwriter. I Like, everyone else seems corny to me compared yeah, to her. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like this, is, this is my friggin' my Simon to my Garfunkel. Yeah, and I like, I, like, write a lot of the arrangements. Right. I, like, I, like, add the, you know, I add lyrics too, but I, like, I like her lyrics so much. I never try yeah. to, I, like, there, there are definitely times when, um, she'll be like, oh, I think the music should go more like this. But generally speaking, it's like we we trust each other. Like yeah. I rarely go to her and say, yeah, I don't think your lyrics very good. Like I right. trust her. I'm like she's she's got it exactly. Save that until you get everything together, and then if everyone kind of looks at each other and goes, yeah, that yeah. didn't work, right? And they go, yeah, and then back to the drawing board. But give it a breathing chance before it yeah. gets kind of like I don't know about that, but I trust I trust you because I know your work in the past. So it's like we yeah. have that good rapport to be able to be like I can. So I'll wait it out. So we started doing just home recording, like in this studio, not this house, but the same setup. Mm-hmm. And we would, you know, release a few songs here or there, but nothing serious. Yeah. And um, I just, I was so disheartened by the music industry, and I was always just like, oh, it's bullshit. It's just what you look like, and you know, all this kind of stuff. Which and, is, which things are true for sure, but there's balance to both sides. But it's you a know? lot of, it's a lot of self sabotage. Like if you can still make it like if John Moreland can make it like as like a 500 pound, like bald dude. Oh dude. Yeah. yeah exactly. St. Paul and the broken bones. Yeah. You look at the lead singer, yeah. St. Paul and broken bones. You're like, that is a goofy looking dude. But then you hear him singing like that's a, the goofiness is an afterthought because yeah. the talent is so prominent where you're like, I just want to hear more of you. So yeah, I kind of buried myself in, and then I, you know, quit uh, teaching music and doing all that. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to earn a salary, go out on the weekends, watch football, yeah. you know, freaking play ultimate frisbee. And that was it. Like there there would be months I would go by where I wouldn't touch my guitar. You know, wow. like stuff like that. Yeah, and that's that's a long stretch, man. Then uh it we got invited to play Mountain Vibe as a full band and we are horrible and we like really didn't sound good. And um as you know what goes on in Mountain Vibe. Your head's filled with a bunch of dude. Yeah, there's so many special things going, things on. going yeah, on. Exactly, so, like, a lot of extracurriculars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like I like sat down in our camp with a bunch of musicians, and I played guitar, and I could, and I just like fell in love with the guitar again. Like in that moment, yeah. I was just like, I freaking love this. Like I, I, I played for like five, six hours straight. Yeah, and I was just like, I love this. What am I doing? Like, why am I not doing this? And then yeah. after that point, like the seed was planted in my head. I was like, I got oh, this get, has to be. I got to do this again. Yeah, like, and that's how it goes. Is like you have those key moments when it comes to because I, I got my first guitar. And I graduated high school and turned 18 on the same week. So I got a laptop for graduating high school and I got a guitar from my mom because I expressed interest because like a year or two early, I forget what year it was, maybe 2007 or something like that or 2006, um, I was hanging out with my friends, uh, Ryan Magnoli, my brother, Joe Vargas, and then Bussy. And, you know, we were all smoking weed in the back of Joe Vargas's van, which is what we all did in high school, the infamous Joe Vargas van. <laughs> Joe, hey, shout out Joe shout Vargas. Out to, yeah, we just saw him on Saturday night. That was funny. He's nice. like, dude, I'm going, I'm, I'll be back. I'll see you guys. Like, we, I love Joe. He's a great dude. And um, 
But I just remember sitting there and Bussy had one of those iRigs that you would plug your iPod into, you know, back when that was like yeah. before Bluetooth yeah, yeah, speakers yeah, yeah. were a nickel and they're everywhere. And he had that with him and we were sitting in there, you know, we just got done smoking a little bit and he just played the uh, Star Spangled Banner by Jimi Hendrix. And I had heard Hendrix before, you know, I knew of him. I was like, oh yeah, Purple Haze. But like being in that mindset where I was a little bit more at ease and kind of more, you know, creative juices flowing, if you will, when you get a little stony baloney. And I just remember being blown away. Like, a life-changing blown away or I was like what is he doing it sounds like bombs are falling like and then the more you think about it the more you realize how much of it is a protest as well as just a musical masterpiece and effects and just chaos and like just completely blew my yeah, mind. He like plays taps in the middle of it. Oh, dude, yeah. Dun, 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 and then, dun, exactly, he just freaking and then does like that little staccato picking. That like sounds like machine guns. Yeah, dude, it's dude, no, 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 no. dude. Ah, he's like making. He's like doing the machine guns. Yeah. with the screams, and you're just like, dude, he's protesting. Fucking dude, he's Vietnam so exactly. Right now, you're like, dude, he, and then you hear this that song, Machine Gun. That was the other one. Yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. Those two songs, and then everything by Buckethead, Hendrix and Buckethead were the two opposite ends of the spectrum but i loved hendrix for his emotion uh and like his ability to just convey how he's feeling through music and to push sonically and then buckethead's technical just mastery of the fretboard and being able to create beautiful melodies but then also just shred your face like it was some freaking parmesan you know some crazy nunchuck shit yeah i saw (laughs) dude he's like almost seven feet tall he's huge really yeah he's i saw him in santa cruz a couple years or like more than a couple years ago but a while ago in high school and like the stage is you know up to like my chest or whatever like that and he's like set dude i was literally like looking at the middle of his shins the entire concert and i'm six foot four and on like a five foot stage and he was just towering over us and then during his show he starts throwing out like buckethead dolls and like rubber chickens and like giving people gifts in the crowd and then does his robot dance with his nunchucks i was just like what is going he on here? He break dances too, Dude, right? yeah, he's, yeah, he break dances. He does nunchucks. He's got his retractable guitar strap, which I think is awesome. So he can just like pull his guitar away from him and then let go of it and it'll just whoosh, come right back to him. Oh, that's super sick. Dude, he's just, that's what made me like the whole like entertainment and the gimmick value is just like people like that kind of shit because you don't forget it. You yeah. may not necessarily say, oh, that was the greatest show I've ever seen, but man, I will not forget that. But Dude. um. I forgot what we were, t- we were going about Hendrix. We were talking and- about Hendrix, and you were in the back of uh, Joe Vargas's van. Oh yeah, and so yeah, shout you out hear- Joe Vargas. Shout out Joe Vargas. <laughs> you get two shout outs today, baby. That's how pivotal you are to us. Him and his yeah. safari van, his Volkswagen bus. Um, and he actually went to the Berkeley School of Music out in oh, Boston damn. too. For uh, did upright bass and everything. That he's quite the accomplished oh, musician. So that's why he was like another big guy who just like I didn't really know. I weren't super close with him back in the day, but I always knew. Oh, Joe Vargas plays your bass and. Uh, he, we were talking about, um, oh, and so, yeah, so I heard Hendrix and got inspired to play guitar, and then I got a guitar for Christmas, or my birthday that year, and for graduation, and I literally, just like you said, you pick up the guitar, and I just had that solid year of being like, oh, this is everything I've ever wanted. I didn't yeah. realize it. Like, I was missing out so much. I listened to all the stuff on the radio, you know, but I wasn't a real music fan until I heard Hendrix and realized, oh, there's other ways to do music as opposed to just what's on, you know, the local rock station. Yeah. And just picking up a guitar and not doing anything. I didn't work. I didn't go to school from 18 to 19. I literally just stayed in my room and played my guitar every single day. And I had good friends like Danny Maher, who I still, I promised him if I ever go to the Grammys, I have to take him with me <laughs> because he showed, he showed me my very first guitar lick ever, which was the bass line for Steve Miller's The Joker. And I just yeah. played it on guitar. And, uh, but yeah, so shout out to Danny. He showed me scales. That's what it was. He showed me my first guitar scale. And then that 
just screwed me over for the rest of my life. <laughs> that, that, that minor pentatonic? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, this is all it is. It's just these four, and then you skip a fret, you skip a fret, you skip a fret, and then these four, these four, you know? And Dude, I, I didn't, like, I remember trying to learn Purple Haze. Like, when I first started playing guitar, um, it was all about Hendrix for me, and I heard yeah. him from uh, the Hulk Hogan theme song from uh, freaking <laughs> wrestling, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, That's Hulk Hogan, so like, flexing, and like, and I'm like, dude, fuck Hulk Hogan. This yeah, song exactly. is sick. What's that shit he's playing yeah. in the background? But I want more of that. Like, <laughs> wrestling was so cool. Like when the theme song hit, and oh, everyone yeah. just goes, ah! Like when the broken glass hits and oh, the yeah. Stone Cold's coming out, you know, dude, it, that tension just builds the up. Music, builds up. or like uh, Shawn Michaels comes oh, out, God, it's like yeah. dun 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 dun, and you're just like, oh, there's gonna be some shit going down, right? Like this is about to get crazy. And my favorite was freaking Hulk Hogan with. Whenever that music hit, yeah. everyone just lost their mind, and I was like, "Dude, who is that?" I looked it up. I thought it was like some weird, like wrestling, like artist. You know how they always have like right, just some random yeah. whoever. Like, oh, it's like a buddy of his or something like yeah, that. Like, like he plays it or Jimmy something. Jimi Hendrix. I was like, "All right, I got to look up Jimi Hendrix because he was who on is my, this Hendrix? I heard of him, you know, but I didn't really know. You didn't dive deep yet. But, yeah, the second song I heard was Fire. Oh God! And dude. then after that, I was and I was. I've always been a huge fan of drums dude like mitch mitchell said yeah and so arguably one of the most beat, important rump drummers and it was honestly the drum beat that really sold me on hendrix was that fire drum beat you know what's funny about that drum beat is that is what cole plays roughly in hack the limb during the choruses nice and so yeah. he's just like I tried my best to do my own like mitch mitchelson nice. impersonation during the chorus of that song so it's fun like that song has just got so much power and aggression, and it's like almost like punk rock before punk rock was. Just yeah. Dun, 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 dun. yeah, super, just in your face, mean. And then Hendrix just, just do your baby, <laughs> and the laughing yeah, in the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's just so carefree about this, and just having the most powerful song ever play. You're like, God, who is this guy? He just yeah. is like on another world. Nothing has phased him. He just comes out and does his thing with his guitar, and it's. Yeah, revolutionary, yeah, I, uh, easily. I remember we, one of my earlier podcasts, we would post it in like a bunch of groups and stuff to try to get people, you know, random people to listen to yeah. it. Yeah. And some guy was like, you said you tried to play, you know, solos before you played chords. I'm calling bullshit. And I'm like... Dude, that's what, what I did. Why would I lie about yeah, exactly. that? Exactly. Like, what benefit do I, I have? <laughs> I didn't like chords. Like, I didn't like any song that had chords. Yeah. I like Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze, Voodoo Child, yeah. freaking Riffs is exactly. what I like. So then I was like... I'm sorry you think that I'm full of shit, but I literally didn't learn an open chord for probably like a year. Yeah, same like, with me, dude. Literally like a year. I had probably two years where it was all just like riff based and learning scales. And because I didn't want to learn a lot of other people's music, that wasn't really what I was interested in when I started playing. It's just like I just wanted to see what I could do with a guitar. And so even if I'm learning like, learn how to play this lick, I would watch that YouTube video, which that's how I learned most of the stuff was through the internet. And you yeah. know, occasionally friends show me some stuff too, but. I'd watch a YouTube video and they would say, here's the scale we're going to be playing in. And I would just pause it there and I would learn that scale. And then I would play in that scale for like three hours, just figuring out what yeah. I could do with it. And then I'd half the time, I wouldn't even watch the other part where they go, and here's how you play the lick. I'm like, I yeah. don't want your lick. I want my lick. I, I want to do what I can I do. I look at licks as like you, you just learn this hand technique that you enter into your bag of tricks. Absolutely. Like that's what I look at it like. And then you can, you now it's like, it's like a vocabulary. Like, I have this word that I can draw into our conversation yeah, naturally absolutely. and effortlessly. Yeah. And it's like the same thing with guitar. You learn all these licks and then you memorize it. You get muscle memory. And then when the time comes, it's not like you plan to play that lick. Yeah, but, but it, 
you know it could go there and it'll probably sound really good if you yeah. do so it'd be a shame not to use it totally and even Clapton has that his interview where he's talking about he's like most of my licks start off the same way and it's like he does like a bend and then goes starts going up to the higher notes but like you know and like all of them start off the same way but then they kind of taper off into different stuff which is because I mean I don't want to say I never learned anybody else's licks because that's just not true like you sure learn do, from yeah. everyone but like the black keys and the white stripes I learned probably 40 black keys songs in the first year of playing guitar just because they were Are so you awesome them in November no I've seen them a couple times I've seen them twice they were a part of the best concert I ever went to which was outside lands in 2010 I saw Arctic Monkeys open for the Black Keys open for Muse and oh, that was just and I didn't know who the Arctic Monkeys were at the time and I, now obviously I love them but they that lineup back I mean OK Go was the very first band but they didn't okay have OK Go was great they were OK live I remember I was like at one point watching them going are they really all four just playing bells right now like are we in kindergarten like it was just a weird I'm like there's 50,000 people here and you guys come out in colored suits playing ding like a Hershey's Kiss commercial in Christmas time like it You're just like, made me laugh because <laughs> I, I you know I held my tongue I'm a respectable music goer in that sense the only time I've boo ever boo that man <laughs> boo that man the only band I ever booed was Dragon Force oh no they were just and it was because they were insulting the crowd like they oh. were just like this was a while ago and so you know I don't know what they're like now or anything like that so um, so if you're listening, Dragon Force, we love you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just remember they, you know, maybe having a rough day or something like that, and they were just like, "Oh, you wankers!" and like, you know, all the you guys couldn't get real seats, so you're in the grass, like just kind of weird. You just hell having a bad day, and we were like, all of us like at Shoreline looked at each other as a collective audience and just went, "Boo!" Like, don't <laughs> come here and insult us. Yeah. We just paid to see you. But you know, they were also Man. like the opening band for a lot of other stuff. So there could have been a million things. But that was the op- first time I've ever booed, and I think the last time I've ever booed a band. Is that the worst, one of the worst concert experiences you've ever had? Yeah, that one definitely was because that was also the same day we found out one of our buddies uh, had died in a car accident. Wow. Like, yeah, it was, he was going through kind of a rough time. Shout out to uh, Brownie. I love you, buddy. And um, yeah, I remember he was one of the first people I met in middle school. And he pushed me over a ledge, <laughs> like down a rocky hillside kind of deal, because I was sitting in his seat. And but he immediately jumped over the railing, stuck his hand out. He's like, "Sorry, man, you were just in my seat. I couldn't have you in my seat." But he like helped me up. You know, he's like, "I'm not a dick. I just you can't be in my seat." <laughs> so he, I learned by trial and fire: don't uh, sit in his seat. Uh, and then you know, because I lived down here when I was in middle school, moved back up north for a couple years, and then came down here my year of see our junior year of high school, and got reconnected with him again. And like he kind of started having you know a rough go of it. He was dealing with you know drug addiction and just like family problems and relationship problems like he's starting to get to be a little bit of a hot mess but like we always loved him and open arms with him and try to do what we could for him but you know got into an accident one night and that was the night of the it was the first mayhem festival mm. uh where slipknot was headlining and we were just sitting there the, you know me and three of my bu- bussy was with us uh our original bass player dave and then our friend jesse buckner were like yeah metal woo bro day yeah, out yeah. we're all juiced and excited and then all of a sudden like just get a text message it's just like two words and it's just brownie's dead and we were just Damn. like just hit the brakes on the entire day and like for like a good hour we were just like four dudes sitting at a metal concert weeping and everyone was just like looking at us like what the fuck Damn, are these dude, guys? that's but heavy man it, we did turn around though because i remember i don't remember if it was me or dave or someone but one of us was just like you know what dude Brownie loves Slipknot, and if he were to see us all crying right now, he would openly call us all bitches and like slap yeah. us in the face and be <laughs> physically angry towards us. So I was like, we gotta have, like, we can't let this. We gotta have fun. We always will have him in our memories, and he always still is in our memories. 
But like that was yeah, that was easily the worst concert ever. But just for you know, yeah, not musical reasons. And then but. Dragon Force shitting on you too. Yeah, that was <laughs> come on, come Dragon on, man, Force? really? Hey, I just Dragon lost Force. a friend here, and you're yeah. gonna call us wankers and yeah. poor people because we don't have enough money to buy the real seats, like. Well, uh, let's, let's turn it around. What, yeah. <laughs> so what's the best concert you've ever... Oh, man. I mean, uh, the Muse one was really good. Uh, my favorite that I've You're seen... You're a big Muse fan? Uh, I grew up... Listen, not huge. I remember the Absolution record that had, like, Time is Running Out and Hysteria and, like, all the really popular songs. Stockholm Syndrome is one of my favorite songs. That The drums and the guitar and the bass work perfectly together, but um, Absolution was a great album for me. Me and my sister used to share the same copy of the CD and... Like would argue over oh, who could no. listen to it. Like yeah. we, I, oh, I no. we bought I think over time three different copies of it because we physically just wore that CD out so much listening to it. I, that's a lost art with streaming music now. Mm-hmm. Is how you used to just have a CD that yeah. you listened to front to back. You had your disc man. You walked around school with that disc man. Yeah. for fucking a week with the exact same CD in yep. it or two or three CDs in it. Like I did that with uh, "Is This It" by The Strokes. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, get behind me, Satan. The yes. White Stripes. Great record. Uh, get born by right, Jet. Yeah. <laughs> we got Jet um, covered for sure. Yeah. Sponsored by Jet today. Yeah. <laughs> shout out Jet. Attack shout and release. Uh, oh, dude. Yeah. I, I love that. That was the first album that hooked me on the Black Keys. My cousin. I saw them on that tour. That was crazy. Yeah. We did you see them at the uh, the Warfield? No, I went to. Uh, I used to go to this music festival in Seattle because my aunt lives in Seattle, where my brother now lives, uh, called Bumbershoot. Yeah. And they were just. That was I, like 2008. Yeah, I think 2000, yeah, 2008, 2007 maybe. And I remember going there. That was the same year I saw Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, Kings of I Leon, Black Rebel Stone Club. Temple Pilots with Scott Whelan. Um, but I just remember my aunt gave me like a stack of mixed CDs being like, these are all the bands that are performing at this festival. Listen to them so you know who you want to go see. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. I didn't know who the Black Keys were and I watched them and they were just a two piece still. And oh, they came out and played Thick Freakness and like Dan Arbach ran onto the stage with a slide. I was just like, dude, it was so much energy. That was a pivotal show. We saw them at the Warfield that tour. Oh, that would have been killer too, indoors like that. Yeah, we were right. I mean, I mean, I don't want to say no one knew who they were because obviously they were playing the Warfield. Right, right. But like we got there and we just walked to the front of the stage and it was Emily, uh, my ex-girlfriend Sarah and me and maybe there was one other person there. Yeah. And um, we just walked right to the front of the stage. We were like dead center like when they were a two-piece. Yeah. You know, and they're just playing. This was the day, I think the day after Attack and Release came out. Oh, okay. So yeah, you probably saw them a couple weeks before I did then. Yeah, and then I, we were just like, dude, this this album is so good. Yeah, it was a breakthrough. My, my cousin bought me um, Rubber Factory dude, for that's, my birthday. Dude, that might be my favorite Black yeah. Keys record. I've worn that album out so many times, yeah. man. So that was my first, it was like, the white stripes fell in love with a girl. Um, uh, yeah, and so that that song like turned me onto the white stripes. And then oh, I, dude, yeah, I remember the music video. That was what got me hooked. Was it was the music video? I'd never seen a music video done where it was entirely done with Legos. Yeah, and it was just all over the place. And that guitar riff is just so mean. But one note, like the thing about Rubber Factory that really got me into the Black Keys is he sounded like Hendrix. Yeah. His voice sounds like Hendrix recording, and even some of his guitar stuff. Yeah. It was super spacey and kind of just like. It wasn't traditional, which yeah. was nice and very Hendrixy in spirit, if not necessarily well, tone. It's like that pentatonic fuzz rock, dude, like, yeah, that, and that, and it's beautiful. It's like everyone loves that shit. So, dude, it's fun riffs to play too. That's why it's like double string bands. Oh Da-da-da-da. god, 
we used to play that song uh oh my god back in the day uh we're not set you free but uh oh my god what about what about the night 10 a.m automatic yeah we used to play a cover of that song that and uh uh same old thing off of attack and release that was when we used to play a lot growing up but um Dude, yo, no, Rubber Soul. That was one that my brother got me hooked on. Rubber, to. rubber Factory. Rubber Factory, yeah. yeah rubber rubber Factory. Soul is a great Beatles album. <laughs> that, there we go, wrong. I was like, wait a minute, it doesn't sound right. Yeah, no, I was like, dude. I- and then you learn more about the lineage of them, too. And they're like, why is it called Rubber Factory? And like, because we literally recorded it in an old rubber factory. And like, That's the very cool. DIY tactical aspect of their music was what really got me hooked. Because I love the idea. I'm a simplist at heart, but being a creative, you know, you can't really stay in that simple mindset. Uh, but I love just like do making do with whatever you have. Like mm-hmm. we're not in some crazy expensive like paying rent on this massive yeah. studio. Like you're like I am in my house and I'm doing it. It's super comfortable and cozy. By the way, thank yeah. you for making me feel Chill. comfortable. Yeah, cheers, man. I love this couch, dude. Like that's vintage from the fifties, man. Dude, I was gonna say this is yeah. a grandma couch. It and was gr- literally our grandma's couch. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I knew it. I love it though because it's got the floral print. It's got the felt feel. It's super comfortable, but um. Great. Now I got on a tangent about the couch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, you're talking about like do it yourself. Uh, yeah. That rubber was factory. They're recording in a rubber, rubber factory. Yeah. Just being able to not let anything hold you back from doing what you wanted to do and being able to create. Like I have two EPs on SoundCloud under the moniker St. Paul and all of them were recorded using an iPhone nice. and that's it. Like iPhones and no microphones, just the microphone that was built into headphones. Yeah. Like I would literally drape that over my amplifier and do recordings of it. That and sounds like, pretty cool. Yeah, until you hear them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great, but listening and In getting theory, it down is yeah. a little tricky. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, so th- those are out on SoundCloud. Look them up. Uh, I forget. I forgot about those. But I like the idea of not letting anything stop you and making do with the simplest technology. And then you find out about Jack White and playing on plastic guitars. And I remember one of the most... He has the one of the raddest, fattest like distorted guitar tones. Oh, dude, yeah. In uh, in uh, White Blood Cells, and like whenever like Dead Leaves on the Dirty Ground, he's like, yes, dun dun da dun da dun. Like you're just that like, dude, riff. that is so powerful, and it's like it's so simple too. It's literally four chords. That's he, all he's playing is play, four chords. He plays to this like bullshit silver tone amp mm-hmm. with an airline guitar. Yeah, and you're just like, dude. And he's got this pe- peppermint fuzz pedal, and then the Digitech whammy. Yeah, it just him and Meg back and forth, and that was the other. Thing. I liked. More on the simplicity thing, I was like, it's just two people. Like yeah. when I saw the black, the black keys, I was like, how is how are two people making this much noise? It baffled me. And so that's how, like, when we started playing, eventually, like we had done variations of playing with Cole and I, where it'd be me, Cole, and Bussy and my brother were our first band technically, and we were called Fakoti. Dude, you look a lot like your brother. I, saw, really? I think you posted a picture of your brother, and I was like, holy shit, dude. That's fu- See, I never get that. I, yeah. He looks a lot like my dad, and I look a lot like my, he's my half-brother, but I look a lot more like my mom, and he, like, for the longest time, everyone's like, before I, I knew he was my half-brother, I should say, you know, before we had that situation taken care of in our family um everyone's just like oh there's like a little russell running around town like even before we found he knew he was my brother like he always looked more like my dad but now as i'm getting older uh we're both getting stressed and you know worn out in life a little bit (laughs) we both have the same wrinkles and you know we definitely look a lot more alike now i'd say than you know 10 years ago i I mean that was my initial thought when Mm -hmm. i maybe if i look again i'll reconsider but when i saw when you posted a picture i was like dude you guys like so similar yeah that's me and i love my brother too he's gone through so much stuff in his own life like losing friends and he's owning his own business out in seattle so if you're out there listening nick i love you and you are legit to this day still a my best friend and be like a huge inspiration for me just being like he, he literally plays just music as well 
A little bit. He kind of not not as much. He's more in the culinary thing. He's a really good chef. Oh, okay. And knows how to cook a ton of stuff. He worked actually for Arash, who runs Barrel Aged in Martinez, the coffee shop on I, Main Street. Okay. They, they used to do a uh, restaurant there called Barrel Aged, and then that shut down. And they just opened the coffee shop. But he learned how to be. He started off as a bar back, you know, picking up silverware and stuff like that. Learned to get in the kitchen, and then next thing you know, fast forward six years, he's running his own company in Seattle. Uh, like he runs the kitchen portion of this bar that he works at, nice, and just creates the own menu. Is responsible for everything. Has a small crew of people working underneath him, and like he literally just went to Seattle, knowing nobody outside of my aunt, and made an entire life for himself. So it's like I've always admired that ability of his, just to be like, you know what, this isn't working for me. I got to get up and go and try somewhere else. Yeah, because I'm very much a grounded person. I don't. I'm not good when it comes to change. A lot of the times, I can be very stubborn and change. But um, I always, I do like the idea of just being like, you know what, fuck it, let's just go for it. Like, who cares what happens? Even if we fucking fail, like, who cares? Just go yeah. for it. So I like. I see in your your videos that you post sometimes. You're like playing. Like today, you posted playing acoustic guitar. Yeah, is acoustic an instrument or a sound that you guys ever want to explore as Overland? Definitely. It's something we've talked about a lot, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like whenever the four of us get together, we all just love playing electric so much. Like it's just, you get that power feeling that comes with rock and roll, but we have done, we were working with this record company called green kite records. I don't know if they're still around anymore, but like they were kind of conditioning us to learn how to be a band and like how to be self-sustainable. And so one of the things was like do an acoustic recording because if you can't, in order for them to sign us, they wanted to do two, send them two songs, one of them acoustic, one of them rock. And we were like, crap, we don't play acoustic. So we but mustered up an acoustic version of, version of Stagecoach, and it sounded really good. Like, totally different tempo. You know, everything was a lot more slowed down and simpler, and it sounded really good. So we've liked the idea of doing acoustic, but we just, I don't know, I feel like in order for that to happen, I, Personally, I want Bussy to be the one to well, initiate. Bussy should. Yeah. I was because he's the acoustic guys, mastermind for sure. I was watching you guys, and I and I was like, it would be so cool because not all of your songs are you know like all, no like not you bashed know. in your face kind of deal. There, there are some songs that do have that that kind of the feel. I, so what I'm trying to say, this whole thing I'm trying to say is, I think acoustic. That's all right, you'll get this. <laughs> no worries, man. You're the good. Acoustic guitar like gives a different. Uh, color and like timbre to the song, like, absolutely, and it gives it a little percussive vibe, and it, it just it just adds a little something different because yeah. when you have two electric guitar players, there's not much room for error between the two of them. No, and it's noticeable when there is error. Yeah, it, because they phase. Yeah, the two, the, and it just sounds like shit. So it's like to to add that like kind of woody like you know, down home kind of sound to a yeah. song. It's like an entirely different color that you can add to a song. And you guys have good songs and like good lyrics. And it's like, you're already holding it down so much on electric. I think it'd be sick if, if Bussy like pulled out an acoustic yeah. because he's definitely, still- he's been, he's fought for that for a while. And not that we haven't done it for any particular reason. I think it's just like, I don't know. We just never have actually given it the actual, like the honest effort of sitting down and be like, we're going to do a whole acoustic set. Um, but it would be really fun. Like well, I, we've I've been talking about that, um, the acoustic set thing, mm-hmm. um, for quite a while. We've been kicking it around, and we want to do so. This is kind of, I mean, we haven't. We've just been backroom talking, so this yeah, is the yeah, first yeah. time it's been like kind of talked about in public or whatever. Well, I'll keep it secret. Don't worry. Yeah. Shh. <laughs> no one listens. <laughs> if to you're shit listening anyway. to this, oh, <laughs> you sound like me on my radio show. I'm just like, are you, is anyone even out there? If not, cool. Either way, I'm having a great time. Dude. So. <laughs> But um, what I want to do, so we're releasing this record next month, 
and then Emily and I want to start working with you know with Alante and Tom mm-hmm. on an acoustic record, which yeah. has like all of our backlog stuff. Right. So like Emily and I, when we were a two piece for like five years, we wrote you know tons of songs. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah, we never we recorded them, but I did like this weird like. Oh, like way too many overdubs like you know percussion and then like keyboard and like electric and like yeah. playing on the back of my guitar like just experimenting still yeah, and figuring experimental. when you're a two piece you want to figure out a way to make it sound as full as possible so and, and we were talking we we're like we just want it to be a stripped down like rock and roll acoustic record with maybe some bass maybe some percussion yeah but mostly just two vocals acoustic guitar and maybe a little bit of tambourine because yeah. that's like what we did yeah exactly that's where you guys started that was your roots so we're talking about getting together with our current engineer uh nate uh mm-hmm. he he works in uh petalumat prairie sun oh I, i've heard nothing but great things yeah, about that studio man it's incredible and um the the management can be a little, eh, but like yeah, I mean, the they got a business space. to run. Yeah, exactly. But the rooms themselves, I know Two Gallants did a lot of recordings out there, and like Tom Waits, I want to say, is yeah, Tom Waits there. recorded yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason why we went out. But yeah, that's a that's a good draw well, right there. So man. we want to like kind of have a massive, well, not massive. Come on, we want to have like a big <laughs> release for our record that we're doing now. Yeah, absolutely, and as then big as possible. We want to stay, you know, relevant, dude. And yeah, I think that it's so important to constantly release music. Yeah. So next year, probably in summertime, we want to release an acoustic record that's, that's just so like smart. just like like howl from black Hole motorcycle club oh you know, yeah, like dude, that yeah that's thing. a great like, record man. like something like that where they they're a fully electric band but then they just boom yeah. put out howl and i'm not saying it's gonna be nearly as good as howl but right like, not in that line of work necessarily but in the yeah. sense of being like this is what we normally do but we're gonna go completely in an unplugged like look yeah. at nirvana when they went unplugged man it's arguably their best performance ever but I, yeah i think um, the more i think about it the more i want to have like drums and bass in it but right. i want it to be like Tom, Tom plays a like acoustic bass, yeah. not the upright, but like acoustic. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I would like to do just like an album like that, and then on, for the album release, do a big like acoustic show where yeah. everyone plays acoustic. Yeah, that's why we like, were talking about that. It would be like hopefully you guys, maybe like Sabretooth Unicorn, mm-hmm. and maybe from the bottom. Yeah, and just. Do, everyone does acoustic sets, like, yeah, and I think that would just be a fun draw. I think people would want to see that because people see Overland play electric, they see us play electric, they see from the bottom play electric, mm-hmm. uh, they see you know Sabretooth Unicorn does do a lot of different stuff, but right, they, it but would Vince just, can play an acoustic like yeah. no one's business either. So yeah, it would just be so cool to I, for me like if. If you guys said, like, and I wasn't involved in any way, mm-hmm. and you were like, we're doing an all-acoustic show at Vinny's, yeah. I would be very intrigued. Like, I'd right. be like, let's go see it. Like, I haven't see, seen this shit yet. Yeah, exactly. I think for me, it, 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 I, we definitely would love to do something like that. But I think that the to really get people to appreciate it, the venue would have to be a special venue. Not like a big venue, necessarily, yeah. but like... Like just like kind of like a cool, like almost like a house party, but not at a house because then it doesn't seem yeah. as legit. But you know, it's someplace different than just like a bar because I feel when people go to a bar, there's an expectation of getting rowdy and excitement, and so yeah. sometimes acoustic can get lost. Like, but if it's build, like, but yeah, it, that's build, true. If there's like a build up and it's like, yeah, it's understood. Like this, right? Is, this is all a four of this the backs. Is all acoustic. Yeah. Like it's very obvious. Like the however you you know uh, what's it called uh, um, promote it. Yeah, promote it. Yeah, however exactly. you promote it. It's just clear that it's an acoustic. Yeah. I think that would I think that would do pretty well. And and if we could, you know, pair it with our, we're talking albums head, our future acoustic <laughs> yeah. record yeah. that we put out. We also want to put out just like a dirty, dirty rock and roll album where it's just yeah. like I saw a lot of that when you guys played with us at the Uptown. I was yeah. like, 
holy shit. I was like, you yeah. guys got a little, all right, you got a little stink under your <laughs> yeah. fingers. I like that. We just like, want to put out a record that's like, you know, lo-fi, like kind of fuzzy. Lots of power lots chords and of, riffs. Yeah, and, you know? and, just, and just very, because this, uh, this album's very produced. Like we definitely yeah. have like overdubs and shit like that. And it's like, I'd love to do something more stripped down. We have, a, I mean, we just want to keep making music really. And that's really the trick is just finding new ways to keep yourself entertained or like challenging. That's why one of my favorite bands of right now is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh yeah, you were, ta- you were dude, talking about oh, them. I can talk about them forever. They yeah. are so amazing. They've done 15 albums in seven years. That's in- and in five, incredible. Five albums they released in 2017 alone and each album is a different concept. Like I told you, one of them was all micro tuning, which is like a lot of like Middle Eastern music and stuff like yeah. that, where they just add more frets to the guitar. There's a crazy pop dream jazz album where they did it with a mild high club. There's like a just nonstop. This I love them because their second album they ever came out with. They came out with one and it was kind of like garage rock and kind of really rough around the edges sounding. And their second album they just said, "No, we don't want to improve on that. We want to go in a completely different direction." So they had the harmonica player's dad who's like this old Australian like punk rocker slash like cowboy dude. He narrates the story of this dude called Eyes Like the Sky, which is a story about a um, indigenous people that adopt basically the white man because he has blue eyes, so Eyes Like the Sky. And he's like, yeah. ra- you know, raised amongst them, but then has to deal with like the outlaws and the prairie and stuff like that. And it's literally, they're just doing Western music. For the entire record. It's a 35-minute concept album where he just tells a story and they're playing a, like a music score basically to his story. And like it's just the most awesome country west like, bow now now, like the old yeah, school yeah, yeah. kind yeah. of stuff in the background. Couple weeds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, they paint a picture very well, and each album after that's been different. And then they have one album that's literally it, the first song starts, and when the last song on the album ends, it goes right back into the beginning of it. It's called Nonagon Infinity, and it's basically an album that can be played on loop infinitely without ever having to stop that's awesome like, I love stuff like that it's really it's like it's so creative like I would never think to do that like, no that's mean <laughs> they push themselves and it's not like oh we know what we do let's just try and improve on it they go okay we know we can do that so let's go way the fuck out into left field yeah. and so what if we just did an album where it's plays for infinity like yeah. who what who would even like you said who would think of something like I, that and then let alone have it be arguably one of their best albums too it's so good i need to i need to check them out i've been meaning to do it they've been on my to-do list and they have a whole album after that they came out with that album and then the following album all acoustic and it's called paper mache dream balloon and that's maybe the, they'll maybe they'll uh, open for us on our <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe we could reach out to them I don't, they're probably only like our second concert they're like the second biggest band in australia outside of tame impala in my opinion dude, don't sh- don't sleep on jet dude <laughs> don't sleep on jet <laughs> they're from australia i didn't realize they were yeah, australian. australian man i for sure thought they were british he is like trying to go yeah. for like a paul mccartney kind of vibe yeah. with his vocals at times so but, uh, we we got to wrap up pretty soon because you gotta head out i think right uh yes yeah. uh what time is it we're getting close so and yeah. we've been going for freaking an hour and a half already. Crazy. That's pretty impressive, I know. man. I wanted yeah. to ask you what's up with uh, Overland on the Horizon, the record release, like any upcoming shows. Like, what, what do you guys have going on? Right now, we're really been trying to focus on revamping what we do, kind of doing a King Gizzard thing of being like, okay, we're, we're tired of playing the same old stuff and the same old songs, so we're really trying to go in a different direction. Like, I don't want to give out too much, but we're trying to add more of a dance involvement in some of our music because a lot of our stuff is very cut and dry rock and roll, but it's like yeah. we want to create fun we want people to enjoy our music on all sorts of aspects. So we're trying to do more dancey kind of stuff while still remaining rock. So we've got a lot of songs in the work right now. We have about half of an album's worth of stuff 
that we've been working on that we're really happy with doing lyrics on trying changes um so no date on when that's going to be released yet probably our goal is to try and get everything out by next spring so we really just yeah. just started this whole process within the last month or so but we want to take our time with it so hopefully next spring excuse me at the very latest um, but also October 25th, we're playing Vinny's with Well Secluded and Forest Day. Nice. That's going to be a fun one. It's a Halloween show, so expect yeah. Overland to be in some sort of That's extravagant costume. That's the day costume. before our record release show, too. Really? Yeah, we're playing at Vinny's the day after that. Oh, we'll be there, dude, back for sure. Back-to-back yeah. Halloween show. I don't think I've ever been at Vinny's two nights in a row, but, but I for sure go. will. Yeah. I now have a reason to be we're there. Gonna so. need you, oh, we're going to need you, man. Oh, are you kidding me, dude? I'm there. Yeah. Let yeah. me know. Whatever you need me to do. You need me to sell T-shirts? You want me to play her... Uh, harmonica like <laughs> yeah, no i don't actually the, can't play harmonica i don't want to offer that out <laughs> dude, that show on the 25th is going to be big though i know forest day he draws pretty well around here yeah, especially so. at Vin, like Vinny's, he packs that place so any yeah. anytime we can play with him locally it's always a treat so and of course we love well secluded too like they're our brothers in arms they're the second best band in martinez so <laughs> just ask us <laughs> dude, well it depends on y'all we love it we have so yeah. much fun with everyone and we we love the musical community we're in. We appreciate of, it. They remind me of Nirvana super hard. Yeah, dude. Did you see their that, mountain yeah. vibe where they played the Hey Joe, but it was like sped up punk rock version? Dude, that was so cool. We were like, it took me a minute to realize what he was actually playing. And I was like, I got a feeling Hendrix was smiling down on that moment yeah. being like, hell yeah, that's what music's about. Yeah. Taking something other people do and making it your own. Yeah, I, I was talking to my buddy the other day. It was so weird. He's in a band in Napa. His name's... Uh, Patrick Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and, Hell of a um, name. Yeah. He, um, his uh, at Fitz Music. Good dude. Really good dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about how his band doesn't want to play any covers at all. And, and he's like, why don't you want to play covers? He's like, because they're like, because we're an original band. And it's like, yeah, well, but, you're an original band because you play original music. Yeah. Not because you don't play covers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like, you can do both. Like, I, if there's stuff on the back burner they want done, then yeah, prioritize that. But it's like if you're just trying to have fun and like spice yeah. it up a little bit, throw a cover song. Especially because they're trying to play like three hour sets and oh, shit. And can, it's like, how do are you, you kidding me? Yeah, you better be damn good musicians to yeah. have three hours of original music that nobody's gonna be like. Yeah. Okay, like, we like uh, to think we sneak. Like we'll play like we just played Lagunitas like mm-hmm. last Sunday, and it's like. We like to, you know, play some covers, get, you know, get everyone nice and lubricated. Like, oh, they're a cool band. Like, they're yeah. fun. And then you sneak in your originals and you're like, hey, this is actually our song. This is our song. This is our song. And they're like, oh, shit. They actually are playing a lot of songs that we liked. Yeah. And we didn't realize, like, you open them up with some covers and then next thing you know, they're open to hearing what you what your originals are. Oh, absolutely. And even if it's like you can play a cover song, that's the reason a lot of bands will play a cover song. It's kind of similar to how they sound originally, or mm-hmm. they're trying to go completely opposite from the way they sound. But more times than not, it's the first one. And so then you play that song and then you might play one of your own songs. And then they might make that connection of being like, Oh, so they, they did a really good cover of, you know, Led Zeppelin. I bet you anything. Oh, that explains why they sound like this on that song. So it's, it's, totally. it helps build that understanding of, where the artist is coming from, which is a very important thing. But there's also something to be said for taking a cover song and making it your own. Yeah. Like, look at All Along the Watchtower, bringing it back to Hendrix. Oh, yeah, dude. Freaking Bob Dylan plays All Along the Watchtower like Hendrix played All Along the Watchtower. Yeah. Like, he took that song, he made it his own, and Mm -hmm. now it's Hendrix's song. So, yeah, Bob Dylan wrote it, but now Bob Dylan is covering Hendrix covering Bob Dylan. Yeah, exactly. He was just like, you've played my song, I didn't realize it needed to sound this way, and that's just... 
a testament to how amazing Jimi Hendrix is. So anyway, is. I got to get you back on this thing because I could talk your ear Dude, off. Dude, please, for, please do. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to get one of the other Overland guys in here too, or all of them. You yeah. know, get, get them in we there. Can, well, we can do that in Oakland. Um, I only have two mic inputs on this thing, but mm-hmm. uh, Tommy has, I think, eight mic inputs. And sometimes it's tough to have like a bunch of people because that's what like I was, talking. especially with us, we can overlap each other yeah. or like, you know, Josh will just stay quiet in the corner the whole time, you yeah. know, because me and Cole just be yak, 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 yak. Yeah, so. Cole, Cole would be an interesting dude to have on too, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So at Overland, what's your uh, Instagram again? At Overland Overland Official. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram, facebook.com slash Overland Official, and Spotify at Overland. And also you do your own radio show too. that? When does that air? I do that every single Monday, 3 to 6 p.m. on OzCat Radio. Locally in the Bay Area, it's 89.5 FM. A little hard to get on this side of the bridge, but you can always stream it uh, through the TuneIn app, TuneIn Radio. Just search for OzCat. It's got a logo with a big red O. And how do you spell and Z. OzCat? Uh, O-Z-C-A-T, nice. all one word. Yeah, so just look it up. And then, yeah, Talking what you, Schmidt. What do you, what's the show about Talking Schmidt? I, unfortunately, I'm an asshole. And have no, no, dude. Yeah, so. Trust me, there's so much content to listen to. It's yeah. really hard. That's me. I, I feel bad because today was the first day I'd gone through and listened to your guys. That's when I started getting to Dennis's yeah. after the Morning Mountains one today. And now I'm going to listen to him all the time because I was like, oh, that was freaking awesome. Like that yeah, interview, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Your interview man. with James was really... I just I can listen to James talk forever, but it's nice to be able to hear someone else have a conversation with him. Because yeah. sometimes I get a little bit in my own head and I'm a little anxious and I don't really know what to say. But like today was a perfect example of the opposite of that. Yeah, so. man. Well, hopefully uh, it was I was welcoming. To no, you. very much so. <laughs> and, uh, you had a he good gave time. me water, you probably, dude. Yeah, dude. You brought uh, me water. Who? What more do I need? Well, next time you come back, we'll do it at a later time, and I'll give you some whiskey, dude. Yeah, that, that sounds like a blast. Yeah. All right, man. Dude, thank you very much for having me. All Appreciate right, it, cheers, brother. brother. Cheers, man.